Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Open your Bibles or your app to Colossians chapter 1. As Tim said, it's a family worship. Great to have kids with us in this service. Our passage today is Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. But I'll be reading through the end of this section till verse 20. So you get a bit of the context. So Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. This is God's word. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Father, I pray that by your Spirit, you would give us eyes of faith to see Jesus as exalted, supreme, and infinitely glorious. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Kids, great to see kids here. Have you ever heard of a building build itself? Ever seen a pile of wood suddenly arrange itself into the frame for a house or ever see concrete start pouring itself into a foundation? Have you ever seen that? I see kids shaking their heads. No. Well, of course not. Well, here's another question, kids. Have you ever seen a painting paint itself? It's a canvas. It starts to put paint on itself, reach for colors. Have you ever seen a painting paint itself? No. Where does a building come from? If you're you're one of the children here, just shout out the answer. Where does a building come from? Oh, a builder. I heard that. And a a builder builds it. It doesn't just build itself. How about a painting? Where does a painting come from? A painter, right? A painter paints it. It doesn't paint itself. And here's where all of this is going. How about creation? Where does creation come from? Does creation create itself? Well, no. Creation comes from a creator, When I was first taught these examples from the evangelist Ray Comfort, I was just blown away by how easy and how undeniable it is to show, to demonstrate without a doubt that a creator God exists. Creation proves that there's a creator. Well, that's the easy part. The part that most people get wrong is thinking that the creator is just like creation, that many people think that God is like us. He's just a a stronger or a better version of us. But that would be a mistake. There's an infinite world of difference, an infinite gap, an infinite difference between creation and the creator. And the difference isn't like the difference between a man who can lift 1,000 pounds and a man who can lift 100 pounds. Both are weightlifters, both are men, uh, both lift heavy things. One just lifts more than the other one. We're talking about the creator. We're talking about a completely different category. 
It's like day and night. It's like being dead versus being alive. As creator, God is completely unlike anything in creation. He's completely different, completely other. It's like the difference between time and eternity or the difference between the number five and the number infinity. And yes, Jesus is like us because he became a man in the incarnation. I'm not denying that. But you can't even begin to grasp or appreciate that Jesus is like us unless you first grasp who Jesus was and is before the incarnation. Before Jesus ever was a man, Jesus was and always will be God. And that puts him in a completely different category than creation, including human beings, you and I, animals, plants, stars, planets, everything. Everything created has a beginning. The thing didn't exist. It was created. Boom! Now it exists. The creator, however, has no beginning because he's not created. If the creator was created, he'd be creation and not creator. So the big idea for today is about Jesus. As God, as creator, and as sustainer, Jesus has absolute supremacy over everything in creation. As God, as creator, as sustainer, Jesus has absolute supremacy over everything in creation. So let's look at verse 15 in Colossians chapter 1. He, this is Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God. He is the image of the invisible God. Here, Paul isn't talking about the incarnation. When the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, takes human form, the Christmas story, the incarnation, Paul goes further back than that, way further back, way back to eternity past, before in the beginning before God created the heavens and the earth, before anything else existed, Jesus is and was and always will be the image of the invisible God, the image of God the Father. In a very faint, in a very incomplete, in a very imperfect way, a human son images their father. Timothy, as many of you know, is my son. When I went to school to meet one of Timothy's teachers, one of the teachers saw me for the first time, and immediately said, well, Timothy's your son. He looks just like you. And some of you have met my father. He's visited Risen Hope a couple times, and you would know that he's my father simply by looking at him. You would know, yeah, that's, that's Alex's father. In an infinitely glor- more glorious and perfect way, Jesus exists, pre-exists as the image of God the Father. Kids, when I say the word pre-exist, there are two parts. There's the word pre and then the word exist. Kids, what does the word pre mean? Someone just shout out. What does the word pre mean? Before, right? Pre means before. So prepare means to get ready before. Preschool is the school you go to before you go to kindergarten. So when we say God pre-exists, it means he exists before. God exists before before there were angels and demons, before there was space, time, matter, and energy. All those things had a beginning. But God has no beginning. There was never a moment in time when God didn't exist. He has always existed. 
God was and is and is to come. In the words of Psalm 90, verse 2, before the mountains were brought forth, before God formed the earth or the world, from everlasting to everlasting, Jesus is God. So that means Jesus, as the Son, is the eternal, the pre-existent, pre-incarnate image of the Father. Let me say that one more time. Jesus, as the Son, is the eternal, pre-existent, pre-incarnate image of the Father. That means in eternity past, before creation, before the incarnation, God the Son images God the Father. So everything true of God the Father is true of God the Son, Jesus Christ. The Son of God is eternal, means he has no beginning or end. The Son of God is infinite. That means he fills every corner of space and yet is not contained by physical space. The Son is immortal. That means he is the fountain of endless life. The Son is incomprehensible, meaning he is beyond our understanding. The Son is independent, meaning he has no needs that he can't meet within himself. The Son is limitless, meaning he has no limits on his power or authority or majesty or glory. In short, Jesus is unlike anything in creation. Well, let's contrast that for a moment with Adam, the first created human being. Adam wasn't the image of God. He was created in the image of God. So Adam was created in the image of the uncreated God. Again, there's two different categories here. There's creation and there's creator. Adam was created in time. Jesus is uncreated and eternal. Adam is a two-dimensional, a 2D sketch of the image. Jesus is the original 3D image of God. So Jesus is that original, eternal, infinite, immortal, incomprehensible, independent, limitless image of God the Father. The Nicene Creed puts it well. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father. Through Him, all things were made. So as God, as creator, and as sustainer, Jesus has absolute supremacy over everything in creation. So verse 15, once again, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. The word image describes the relationship between God the Son and God the Father. But this word firstborn in the second part of this verse, this word firstborn describes the relationship between the Son of God and the rest of creation. The Son is the firstborn over all creation. Kids, when you think of the word firstborn, what do you think of? Born first. You might think of the oldest child born in a family. Timothy is my firstborn, so he was born first. You might be the oldest. You might be the firstborn in your family. That's how we usually use the word firstborn. But that's not, let me say that again, that's not how the word is used here. It doesn't refer to a moment in time when Jesus was born. As image of God, we've already talked about how Jesus was never created because he has always existed. So what is the way that the Bible uses the word firstborn in this passage right here? 
The Bible uses firstborn not to describe birth order, but to describe supremacy. It's not about birth order, but about supremacy. And there are three ways that Jesus has absolute supremacy as God. First, firstborn means Jesus outranks. Jesus outranks. Here we have to look at the Old Testament background. Psalm chapter 89, verse 27, God tells King David, and I will make him, this is King David, the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. Now, if you remember, David wasn't the oldest. He wasn't the firstborn in his family. He was actually the opposite. He was the youngest child in his family. He was the youngest of eight sons. He was so young, so unimpressive, that his father left him with the sheep when the prophet Samuel came to anoint the new king of Israel. And when Samuel walks in and meets the family, he sees the firstborn son of Jesse, a man named Eliab, who is strong. He's tall. He's impressive. But remember what God said. Do not look on his appearance or his height because I have rejected him. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God, the Lord, looks on the heart. So firstborn doesn't mean the one born first because David was the youngest. Here, firstborn doesn't mean birth order. It means superior rank or superior position. A military general outranks a foot soldier. So David is the firstborn, the highest ranking of the kings of the earth because, you remember, he's God's anointed, God's chosen king over God's chosen people. And we know through the New Testament that this is ultimately fulfilled by David's greater son, Jesus, King Jesus. King Jesus outranks all creation because he is God and he pre-exists all creation. So firstborn means Jesus outranks. Second, firstborn means Jesus outclasses. Jesus outclasses. Jesus outclasses all other sons, means he does much better than Adam or Israel, who are also God's sons. Jesus is the original, the model son, the perfect son, the uncreated and eternal son. So when you see Jesus, when you see Jesus in all his perfection, in all his purity, in all his flawless submission to the Father, you see the way humanity was created to be. Jesus is the model and example we need because Adam and Israel both spectacularly failed to live up to their calling as obedient sons. They were disobedient and rebellious sons. So Jesus is the perfect son. Second, so firstborn means Jesus outclasses. He outclasses all other sons. So Jesus outranks, Jesus outclasses, and finally, third, Firstborn means Jesus out-inherits. Jesus out-inherits. Jesus inherits the power and authority of the Father. The firstborn son was always the Father's heir. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2 says, In these last days, he, God the Father, has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir, the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. God the Father appointed his son, Jesus, as the heir, the rightful heir of all things. In the Roman Empire, the firstborn, this title, this firstborn was a legal term for the one who would be the legal heir, the one who would inherit the power and authority of the father over the household. 
So Adam and Israel, they forfeited. They lost their authority when they sinned and they fell. But Jesus, as the eternal Son of God, is the heir of all things. Everything will be put under the feet of Jesus. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So firstborn means Jesus out-inherits the other sons. So Jesus outclasses, Jesus outranks, and Jesus out-inherits. As God, creator and sustainer, Jesus has absolute supremacy over everything in creation. In this next verse, verse 16, we see Paul transitions from the supremacy of Jesus as God to the supremacy of Jesus as creator. So let's look at verse 16 of Colossians chapter 1. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. For by him all things were created. God created all things through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But we need to step back and think about how this fits in with the rest of Scripture. You have to remember, Scripture is the best interpreter of Scripture. So if you're coming along a passage you don't understand that well, just ask yourself, what other part of the Bible speaks about this topic? What, where, where can I look to to better understand this passage? And so for us, as we're looking at creation, we need to go back and look at Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and He did it by speaking, speaking. God spoke the universe into, the, into existence. He said it, and it was done. One moment, there was no creation, and then God spoke the universe into existence. And there's mystery here as we think about it. Could God have created through thinking, thinking of light? Could God have touched the universe and filled it with light? Well, we don't know, but we do know this. He didn't. He didn't create with thought or touch. He spoke. He said, let there be light, and then there was light. Psalm chapter 33, verse 6, by the word of the Lord, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap, for he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. But the amazing truth we learn is that this word is more than just a word. The Word of God is God Himself. The Word of God is actually God Himself. Jesus Christ is that Word of God, the living Word. According to John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6, there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and through whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. God's creation, as we look at everything around us, this material universe, this God's creation takes place only in Christ. That means Christ is the agent, the cause, the source of creation along with the Father and the Spirit, Jesus is 
the creator. Jesus is the creator. And just as there's no redemption apart from a redeemer, there is no creation apart from the creator, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as creator, Jesus creates everything, all ends, all dimensions, all aspects of creation. When someone says A to Z, they also mean everything in between. So in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, covers everything in the created realm. That means heaven and earth and everything in between, visible and invisible and everything in between. The things on earth that are visible and the things in heaven which are invisible. And there's some amazing stuff in the created realm that just stuns us, that boggles our mind and our imagination. For example, the largest star we're aware of in the universe is this red supergiant so big you could fit five billion, that's five billion with a B, of our suns into it. And if it were in our solar system, it would be so big that Jupiter's orbit would collide right into it. But Paul isn't directing our attention in this passage to space, to the billions of stars and galaxies all around us, as amazing as those things are. He's directing our eyes to the unseen spiritual realm, heaven and hell, angels and demons. There's a whole invisible reality that's even more real than all the things you can see and taste and touch and smell because the things that are seen are transient. They're temporary. They're passing away. But the things that are unseen, the invisible spiritual realm, those things are eternal. And verse 16 continues, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. This includes human thrones and dominions and rulers and authorities. Christ made all human power structures. They're made by Him and they'll answer to Him. But Paul is looking in this passage right here in this context beyond those human power structures all around us. He's looking to those spiritual power structures, Satan, demons, and according to Ephesians 6.12, the rulers, the authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. These evil spirits, Christ has defeated Christ disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame, Colossians 2.15. So that means we don't need to fear any human power or even any satanic power because Jesus has created them and then he defeated them. So what are the things you're afraid of? Do you fear temptation? You're not sure you can overcome the struggles against your flesh, against the temptations Satan throws your way. Maybe you live in a constant state of fear. Fear of the future, fear of the unknown, fear on whether you might get COVID and get sick. Maybe it's fear of aging. In community group this past week, one of the brothers shared about uh, an irregular heartbeat he found out, you know, after visiting the doctor that day. And one of my heart valves is a little bit leaky. So these are real issues we face. But if you're a child of God, if you belong to Christ, then nothing can actually threaten you. As Romans 8.38 says, neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord.
church family. God would remind us that everything is created through Christ and for Christ, for Him, for His purposes, for His ends. And that means even the thorn in the flesh that you might be carrying. And it means these things are true even if it doesn't seem to make sense that you're going through the things that you're going through. That phrase, for Him, for Christ, reminds us that creation must ultimately work according to God's plans and God's purposes. Everything. All of creation is moving in a direction and a destination, which is the glory of God, even though it doesn't always feel that way. And yet, God has a goal, an end, a destination. And if you know that, you know that there's no meaningless suffering because God always works everything according to the counsel of His will. As one commentator writes, creation is a work done by Himself, and especially for Himself, for every end contemplated in His infinite wisdom and love, that He might exhibit His glory, that He might occupy a throne, and that He would show to the universe His indescribable grace. All things were created by Him and ultimately for Him. So that means Jesus is not just the creator, He's the consummator. He completes what He started. He's not just the alpha, He's the omega. He's not just the beginning, He's the end, the first and the last. That means Jesus gets the last word. Satan doesn't get the last word. Christ does. Sin doesn't get the last word. Christ does. Death doesn't get the last word. Christ does. And finally, in verse 17, and He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. In case you didn't get it the first time, Jesus is before all things. He pre-exists everything else. He outranks, outclasses, outinherits everything else. As God, creator, and sustainer, Jesus has absolute supremacy over everything in creation. And now we're going to as I bring things to a close, turn our attention to that last part, sustainer, Jesus as supreme sustainer. You look at the text, in him all things hold together, which means that Jesus is that supreme sustainer. This Greek verb translated hold together includes the past and the present. That means Jesus has sustained and will continue to sustain all creation. I don't know how many of you out there are like me. I like to multitask. So if I'm cooking, I also like to do something else. So I'm a big fan of just set it and then forget it. The noodles need to boil for eight minutes. Set the timer, forget about it for eight minutes, and go do something else. This chicken needs to bake for 15 minutes. Set the timer, forget about it for the next 15 minutes, go do something else. Sometimes, however, that does get me in trouble when I rely on that timer and either burn that chicken or undercook something. As a human being, I have limited time and limited resources, limited capabilities, but not God, but not God. He has no limits. He has no need to set it and forget it because he has to go off and do something else. He created everything, and he actively, actively sustains everything. He's not distracted. He doesn't have to shift his focus from one thing to another. There's no stray molecules or atoms that Jesus loses track of. He upholds the laws of 
motion, the laws of gravity, everything in physics and chemistry and biology happens because God has created and continues to sustain the universe. He upholds the universe by the word of his power, Hebrews 1.3. Have any of you ever been in an earthquake? An earthquake where you feel like the ground is shaking, some of you. A huge earthquake hit the city of Colossae around A.D. 60 or 61. The earthquake actually was so severe, it destroyed most of the city. It flattened, basically flattened the city, destroyed buildings. So many people died in that great earthquake. Paul wrote the book of Colossians around A.D. 60, so right around the time of that earthquake, either before or shortly after. And as the whole city was literally shaken with the foundations coming loose, buildings collapsing, the ground giving way, Paul reminds them that Jesus still holds everything together. As God, as creator, as sustainer, Jesus has absolute, unquestioned supremacy over everything in creation. There might be some of you here this morning, either in person or watching us through the live stream, you've heard the good news of Jesus, but it's yet to change your life. We've seen that Jesus is not just another religious leader, as popular culture would tell us. You think of other popular religious leaders, Mohammed or Buddha or Confucius or Joseph Smith. These leaders, as famous as they were, they lived, they died, they're buried. But Jesus is not only God, not only creator, not only sustainer, but he is our savior who is alive today. He's alive today. God became a man. Yes, the son of God became the son of man, Jesus of Nazareth. The creator did become a creature. The sustainer became the one who needed to be sustained. But Jesus came down to us so that he could lift us up, to bring us up. Jesus became a human being so that he could suffer and die in our place to live the perfect life that we could never live, and then to die on the cross, the death that we deserved, and then rose three days later, victorious over sin, death, Satan, and hell. So if you're here this morning and you have yet to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, to follow him, to trust in him alone for the forgiveness of your sins and eternal life, the question for you this morning is, why would you follow or serve or worship someone else other than Jesus, who is infinitely stronger, wiser, and more glorious than anyone else and anything else in creation? Why settle for something or someone infinitely less than Jesus? Why entrust yourself to anything infinitely less than God, less than Creator, less than the supreme sustainer over all things? So come to him today. Surrender your life to him today. Let Jesus know you need him. You need his power. You need his love. You need his forgiveness. You need his death and resurrection for the forgiveness of your sins. And he will welcome you in, forgive you all your sins, and bring you into his heavenly kingdom. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, as we have just taken a few moments now to look at your son, the son of God, Jesus Christ, Oh, Lord, we want to be changed. Let us not simply walk out those doors and forget what we have heard. Let the truth of Jesus, his glory, 
His eternal power, His divine nature, His infinite glory, His majesty, His unchangeableness. Let those things transform us. We want to behold Jesus. We would see Jesus. Holy Spirit, show us Jesus, a little more of Jesus. Oh, we are so finite, so sinful, so broken, so limited. Help us to see a glimpse of the glory of the Son. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Church, as you head out this week to live for Jesus and follow Jesus, let me send you out with these verses from Jude chapter 1, verses 24 and 25. Now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Amen.